What's up, Ascenders? This is episode 10 of Awaken with traditional Chinese medicine practitioner and author of The Funky Kitchen, Sarika Cernahaus. Here's what's coming up. Because I knew that the ingredients were good that we were working with, but there was a missing component. And that's when I really did the deep dive into traditional food preparation techniques. What's happening in fermentation is we are leaning on beneficial bacteria to take care of the heavy lifting of digestion. It's phenomenal how powerful these simple little techniques are. Welcome back to another episode of Awaken brought to you by Ascend. I'm Brian Henry, the founder of Ascend and your host. On Awaken, it's our mission to contribute to the ongoing process of collective awakening, the shift to a more expansive and higher functioning state of consciousness. On the show, I explore the experiences and ideas of our special guests to support you in heightening your state of consciousness, improving your health and manifesting abundance so that we may transcend and rise to our potential. If you're new to the show and our community, I invite you to join us at our Senders Facebook group. Our community is all about just helping each other out by spreading positivity and sharing wisdom because it's a core value of an Ascender to bring the best out in each other because we believe that that's the way we're going to be able to rise to our potential. Hope to see you guys at the group and if you'd like to join us, you can do so at www.togetherweascend.com forward slash community. So if you've been following my work for a little while, you know by now that I'm a big proponent of holistic wellness. And that's because I feel like being in a good state of health is fundamental to transcending, ascending, and growing towards our potential. So every so often, I'm going to have guests on the show that will be here to share with us something that will allow us to improve our physical or mental health. And that's exactly why I brought in Sarika. Sarika has her master's in traditional Chinese medicine. And at the time of this interview, she's actually working towards getting her doctorate in the field. So she, she has a thorough understanding of the, the holistic approach to health that traditional Chinese medicine takes on. And what she's going to share with us in this episode is some simple techniques that you can begin implementing today with your cooking that will allow you to get more nourishment from the food that you're eating. So she has a great story with learning that sometimes it's not just about the food you're eating, but how you're preparing them that is going to to influence how good of nutrition you're going to get from it. So let's jump into the interview, learn a little bit more about these cooking techniques that Sarika has to share with us. Sarika Cernahaus is a nationally certified practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine and Chinese herbal medicine. She teaches on the importance and the practice of traditional food and cooking methods. Her online course, Fresh, Fun, and Flavorful in the Funky Kitchen, helps people with learning to prepare foods and eat well, while being time-sensitive and cost-effective. She also has written a book to this aim titled The Funky Kitchen. Sarika, thank you for joining us on Awaken. Brian, I am so happy to be here with you and with everyone. Thank you so much for having me pleasure is mine. So tell me, why and when did you decide to first study traditional Chinese medicine? Well, I was pretty close to um, your age. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was in my mid twenties, and uh, but in my teens, I'd really started um, developing a lot of digestive issues, and I can certainly look back on it and see how that happened. That was in the mid to late eighties. And the the theme of the day was to eat no fat and vegetarianism was really hitting the scene. And so throughout my teenage years, I really didn't eat much of any fat. And I was a very poor example of how to do vegetarianism. Mm -hmm. And I ended up creating a lot of, of digestive issues. And so by the time I was 18, I had my appendix out. And throughout my 20s, I had just a lot of horrific pain in my belly. And the Western medical model just really didn't have much um, for me. I tried, um, but that wasn't the place where I was to find my answers. Um, and the greatest amount of relief that I found was with traditional Chinese medicine. So that's acupuncture and then some very basic herbs. I think back on what I was prescribed by the practitioner and I think, oh my gosh, that is like the most simple basic formula. And it was exactly what I needed. And I was so impressed with it that I picked up my life and moved to San Diego and studied traditional Chinese medicine, lived there for five years and got my master's degree. That's amazing. So it first had a, <laughs> a impact on your own well-being. And I guess through, uh, through seeing how powerful it can be, you decided that it was time for you to dive deeper and study it for yourself. Exactly. It was... It was such a fantastic way to um, to just look at at wellness and disease in a completely different light, and to feel like I could help with answers, and that that diagnoses were not the end game, um, that there there were answers beyond that. So it was it was incredibly empowering. That's amazing. So I know uh, many people, myself included probably doesn't have the uh, the most thorough idea of what traditional Chinese medicine is all about. So, I mean, I know, of course, it's uh, it's probably a very broad topic, but uh, what's the uh, what's the the general approach look like? What's the uh, what's kind of the mm -hmm. core principles of the uh, the field? You know, it's uh, every practitioner is going to be different. I've been licensed to practice in California and Arizona since 2001. And so I've developed kind of my own way of doing things. Um, but at its core, what I would say um, is helping to recognize helping the patient and of course as the practitioner seeing patterns that are happening within a patient so that you can respond in kind with the treatment protocol for the day you know for the acupuncture and other techniques that we might be using but then also uh, the nutrition and the supplementation that we might recommend and also specific lifestyle practices that will be appropriate to that person's constitution and pattern and so so it really is a holistic model, uh, taking into account what's right for that person, not necessarily for everybody, but for that person. Mm -hmm. And being in the uh, starting my career in the the field of health, I've definitely seen the uh, the power in taking on a holistic approach. And I think uh, <laughs> when people start to uh, to take on that approach that encompasses every one of the or as many of the factors involved. I think uh, they experience far greater improvements in their health than just kind of focusing on the one or two things that, that first come to mind. 
Well, agreed. Um, and that's one of the beauties of, of the medical approach this way, um, is that it notices, it recognizes that nothing is happening in a vacuum. Um, you know, I may have, let's say I have a headache, I will go with a headache, uh, which thankfully I didn't. Um, but let's say that I did. In the model that I have been working in for so many years now, I wouldn't think, oh, let me go take a painkiller. I would be thinking, let me trace back to what I did yesterday. How was my sleep last night? How have I been taking care of myself? Have I been around people that maybe are catching a bug? What's the quality of my headache? All of these things are are completely different than the thinking that I grew up in, which is you have a headache, you take a pill for the pain, and you don't, you don't necessarily dig back into why that would happen now. The thing that's so great is that um, in the period of time that I've been practicing, I think that that's a growing model um, among even folks here in the West, is it, that there's a recognition that there's a reason for that symptom. And so then beginning to take some self-responsibility and and discern, you know, what you can do differently to make that um, not happen again. Cool. So I would love to hear a little bit more about your approach. I really want to kind of just understand how you uh, how you approach things when someone comes to you looking for a little bit of guidance. So let's say someone some someone comes to you with a, a very general, vague question. Sarika, I, I want to be healthier. Where do I begin? What uh, where, where do you begin with that that person? Well, for sure, I want to know what health means to them. So I need to know what their chief consideration or chief complaint is. And because, you know, for one person, it could be I want to run a marathon. For another person, it could be I want to walk across my living room without pain. And so we have to get clear on what the goal is. And so then once we have that, then what I like to do is I'd like to really settle in with the client and have them tell me about their day. I get them telling me what they do first thing that they wake up in the morning, uh, when they begin eating, what they're eating, when they're drinking. I like to really look at especially the morning time um, and, and how they're coming out of sleep, what their sleep looks like, because how a person's day starts is going to have such an incredible impact on how their day finishes and how they feel the day after that. And so when folks come see me, I, I have them, you know, I, I ask them to please fill out the intake forms, you know, very thoroughly because that gives me a running start on where I might need to be doing some focusing um, for them, but it really is this deep dive into their behaviors, what they're eating, what they're drinking, and there's so much power in that seemingly simple and innocuous information. It's actually very, very powerful. I love that. I love seeing, uh, I love that approach with looking at all the small details because as I'm sure you'd agree, um, those details do end up having a large impact on the, the big picture. They really, really do. And folks don't recognize that. I think we gloss over a lot. And the other side of that, too, is is the the power of taking dedicated moments throughout the day to really look after yourself. I mean, for me, every day I start with with meditation 
And it's not that I need to spend a ton of time with it. But like, for instance, this morning, my brain felt a little fatigued. And I thought, oh, I am so grateful for this opportunity to sit here in peace and quiet and regenerate myself. And it was but a few minutes. I wasn't sitting there for an hour or anything like that. But that helps to set the tone for how I approach the rest of my day. And then later today, I in the afternoon sunshine, I'll go out and take probably a 20 or 30 minute walk. Um, I stretch every day. These are just things that, that don't seem like much, but the cumulative effect of doing these things really lends itself toward, um, you know, pliability, vitality. Um, and I'm talking not just on a physical level, but on an emotional and spiritual level as well. It's incredibly powerful. Little bits. There you go. All the little action adds up, and I definitely uh, love and appreciate the uh, the practical advice because I think that's what uh, that's what a lot of people need, right? The the action yes. steps. Yes. Don't make it hard. Please don't make it hard. I mean, there are things that we can do in our lives that can start to feel pretty um, intense. So let's keep it simple where we can. There you go. <laughs> and the thing that's nice about that is, I you know. I think people can get so caught up in the details of trying to meet perfection that they they allow that to get in the way of possibility. And we don't want that. We just get out there, get your tennis on, go walk on the street, you know, get some fresh air, get some sunshine on your face. Don't make it hard. You don't need to, you know, drive down to the gym and, you know, get yourself all dressed and all of this. It, it, keep it simple so that when those opportunities arise, you know, to maybe have a gym membership, if you so choose, you've gotten into the habit already of moving your body and you look forward to doing that. Keep it simple. Simple, Keep it simple. but powerful <laughs> advice. Sarika, <laughs> I'd love to, uh, to hear a little bit more about your backstory. Um, I know that uh, you had a wake-up call some time ago when you, despite following what you felt at the time was was a healthy lifestyle you mm -hmm. started to see some health complications in yourself and your family and that yeah. kind of triggered a, a cascade of events that allowed you to take better control of your health mm -hmm. what uh what what sort of challenges did you uh did you see in yourself and then again in your family Oh, for sure. Well, you know, as mentioned, the appendectomy, I actually also ended up having my gallbladder removed um, when I was in my early 30s. And that, again, I think is very much based on all the refined foods I ate in my poor version of vegetarianism. Um, <clears throat> that definitely didn't help things. Um, so, you get to a point where you say, well, that's quite enough. Um, I really don't have anything else that I want to be giving up out of my belly at this point. Um, and then um, with one of my children, my firstborn, my son, uh, we found with him, even though we were feeding him an organic, pastured, you know, gluten-free diet, you know, doing all the right things again, seemingly so, um, I took him to a dental appointment. Um, he was probably four years old at the time. And, you know, our family didn't eat candy. We didn't use, you know, over-the-counter medications. Um, and the dentist came out of the room and she said, you know, I'm going to have to pull a couple of your son's primary teeth. And we have a lot of cap, not caps, but um, fillings that we're going to have to do on other cavities. And I was shocked because I thought we're doing all the right things. And how can this be? 
So I know a lot of people would think, well, you just need to brush his teeth better. Um, that's all you need to do. And I knew it was more than that. I knew that there was something that was going beyond, you know, the herbal medicine that was going beyond the organic gluten-free lifestyle. Um, and that's when I started looking at ancestral practices around food preparation. So because I knew that the ingredients were good that we were working with, but there was a missing component. And that's when I really did the deep dive into traditional food preparation techniques. And um, it's an interesting result of it. Um, for a year, I took, I took our, our entire family off of grains completely. Um, and in that period of time, I really kind of got up to speed with these pre-digestion techniques of fermentation and soaking of grains to remove anti-nutrients and to make certain nutrients more available to the body. And um, when I did bring back in grains, I was fermenting them. And eventually, I even brought back in gluten-bearing grains, but we would ferment them. And because as I was reading the research, the limited research about this, because obviously it's not that it's going to be a medication that's backed by a lot of funding to study, but just understanding the food science, the actual chemistry of what was going on, um, I knew that the protein of gluten was going to be degraded through the fermentation process. And sure as heck enough, now we see re um, research that does support what I knew was happening. And so we brought back in the grains, we brought back in everything that we had kind of taken away for a period of time, but we brought it back with proper technique. And so here it is, my son, he's now going to be 13 pretty soon. And he has never had another cavity in the wake of that experience. And he is not awesome about brushing his teeth. My husband and I have to ride him twice a day to get his teeth brushed. Um, and I would not say he probably does a great job, but <laughs> he, he, you would not know it by uh, the health of his teeth. And so I knew that what was happening was because of something we were doing, my son at that time was needing to allocate resources in his body. And so what I did with these techniques of pre-digestion through fermentation and the like, is I just made the nutrients more bioavailable so that his body didn't have to allocate those resources. And then in the wake of that, of course, if I'm doing it for him, I'm doing it for all of us and the family. And it has been it's profound. It is profound what has happened. And I feel that for our family, we are more vital, more energetic, better off than we were 10 years ago. So that's pretty, pretty wonderful. Wow. So from your experience, then it wasn't so much the, uh, the foods you were eating as much as it was how you were preparing them. Exactly. That is, that's exactly what it is. And the thing that's wonderful about this is that when you really raise your vitality this way, um, it allows for, you know, dalliances from time to time, you know, going out and, you know, having what's on the menu. It's not that we have this super strict diet. It's because our bodies are able to withstand a little bit of play that way. Whereas in the past, there was no, there was no room for play. We were just 
barely holding on. But with this deeper level of vitality, gut biome, happiness, um, all of that, we, we can handle living in the world, but for the most part, eating the way that we do at home. Great. So I definitely uh, want to hear a little bit more about these these cooking methods and offer our listeners some some again practical strategies and advice sure. that they they can begin to implement. So where do you where do you suggest we begin with uh, with the methods? I guess one question before that is, um, what are people doing wrong for the most part that they can improve on? Well, I think one of the things that is wrong that folks can improve on is eating a lot of prepared foods, uh, foods that have been prepared uh, by food manufacturers, um, eating out a lot. Um, You know, the thing that is very important to recognize is that when we eat foods that have been, you know, made by a corporation, they're a business and um, or a restaurant they're a business and so where they can they're going to keep their costs down by using ingredients and methods that are not necessarily going to be the very best choice for our cellular health and so uh, just even getting into the habit of making more foods at home and by that, I mean not opening up a box and, you know, fixing what's in the box, but rather working with foods from scratch. That, that's where we began. Um, so to me, that's a really, really important thing that I don't know quite how it happened that as a society, we've gotten so far away from that. I was just speaking with another practitioner this morning and she said, oh, none of the moms that I know cook. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that that is such an incredibly creative outlet for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is. And it's, you know, we've got breathing, we have water consumption, we have shelter, and we have food. I mean, we're talking about, you know, these very basic needs that we have. And when we make one of those, mm-hmm. um, something that isn't going to be of a higher quality it's going to begin to have impact on us. So even just starting to make foods from scratch at home, that's like huge, such a big deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. So important, definitely. And I think uh, um, the where where that um, the habit of the on the go, quick packaged foods came from is that we were living these fast paced lives where we're we're encouraging go 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 and we're yeah. not taking a second to to slow down and spend time where where it really matters yeah and you know i'm not a person who thinks that we should be you know slaving away in the kitchen for three meals a day i'm all about if you make something, make it in bulk <laughs> so that you can reheat it in the toaster oven or on the stovetop, freeze it for when life gets super crazy. Um, you know, I call it taking care of the future you. And you do that by by planning ahead for yourself. Um, because, I mean, you know, I work full time. I'm completing my doctorate. I have two kids, school age kids. I'm married. Um, <clears throat> I see patients, of course. And I still manage to keep, you know, components of homemade food happening in our house and the places where I, I feel that it's most valuable. So like the bread, um, hot cereals, things like that, things that are going to kind of bulk out our diet, mm-hmm. um, that I do. And then the stuff that I buy from the grocery, I, I, we spend the money on getting the highest quality 
Um, you know, if it's dairy foods, it's coming from grass-fed animals. Um, if it's if it's eggs, it's from pastured hens. If it's meat um, or meat products, um, this is going to be coming again from pastured animals. So it, to me, it, that, the water, you know, I mean, we want it to be high quality and and where we can, if we can get it in what I call a pre-digested state by using simple techniques like soaking, soaking grains, soaking beans, soaking nuts and seeds, um, these sorts of practices, very simple, they take away components that are naturally occurring in these foods and they make it easier for us to digest them. And all it requires is just a little bit of forethought. Um, and and it actually ends up saving you time in the long run because, like, say you're going to be making rice. If it's been soaking for 12 hours, it's going to cook up a lot faster. So um, it just requires taking care of the future you a little bit, thinking about what those techniques are. Mm-hmm. Thinking about your your future so that you, you save yourself the time in advance, right? Yes, because what ends up happening, and I, I still have it happen in our lives, you know, for as much as I, you know, am aware of this occasionally, I'll just say, oh my gosh, we have nothing in the fridge. <laughs> and that's when, you know, you run out and you make choices that are not best for you. They're going to end up costing you a lot more money. They're going to be a lower quality food. I mean, it's like it's a lose-lose. And so just having some stuff on hand, making sure you get to the grocery a couple of times a week so you have some basic components on hand. They're going to be easy for you to pull together a nutritious meal when you do sit down to eat. It just, it pays in spades to do that. So that brings us to the how. Where do I where mm-hmm. do I begin with this? Um, you mentioned fermentation being one of those those cooking methods. Is mm-hmm. uh, is that the main one? Is there other ones that you suggest? Well, yeah. To me, fermentation is such a great thing because if we think about what's happening in fermentation, is we are leaning on beneficial bacteria to and yeast to take care of the heavy lifting of digestion. And that's something that people really need today. People are more worn out than ever before because they've been eating poor quality food and they're busy as all get out. People are busier now, more distracted now than ever before. And so having your food in a format that's easier for you to put to use in your body is a win-win. These are super great things. And that is where working with fermentation is so fantastic. And I think a lot of folks think of fermentation as like sauerkraut. And I do love sauerkraut, but to be quite honest, I don't eat it very often. To me, fermentation lies, like the real power of it lies in how we can use it to pre-digest more common foods. Again, so, you know, the grains and the beans, the nuts, the seeds, also dairy foods. So fermented dairy is, of course, yogurt and milk kefir. These are these are fermented dairy products. Um, and in all of these instances, what we're doing is we're allowing microbial activity to take the macronutrient profile, the proteins and the fats, the carbohydrates, and break those down into simpler components. And then they're easy for us to use. They don't have as high of a sugar content. The difficult pieces like gluten, the longer we let something ferment, the more it breaks down into amino acids and peptides that don't harm us. Mm -hmm. And so that is 
powerful stuff. And so it's not that I feel that every person should run out and go, you know, start fermenting all the foods in their kitchen. But like what I teach in the funky kitchen is to take one technique and just start messing with it, just play with it, get comfortable with it so that it becomes a tool that you can use. And then once you feel comfortable with that, then you can move on to the next thing. And so I think one technique that a lot of people, I would say most folks have been raised in an environment where beans were probably part of the diet in some way. And I think most people know that when you work with hard beans, you're supposed to soak them first. And uh, if you soak them and you add a little salt to the water, that helps to soften the skin of the bean. Um, So that's fantastic. My suggestion is to just add a little bit of a probiotic beverage to that. I work with a, a drink called water kefir. And I just, what it does is it inoculates the water with beneficial bacteria. So if it's going to be soaking anyway, just using non-chlorinated water, add a little water kefir to it or a little bit of kombucha or a little bit of raw apple cider vinegar. Uh, The bacterial profile that's going to be in there is going to help to pre-digest those beans. And then after you've soaked them for 12 or 18 hours, then you can cook them as you normally would. Nice. So just to summarize there for our listeners, what we're doing here with the uh, with the process of fermentation, by the way, of course, uh, fill in any gaps I miss here, is uh, we're making the nutrients more bioavailable. And um, yes. the, uh, the there's one thing that I know is found in beans and nuts, and it's anti-nutrients, with the, which I believe you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And just to, uh, to paint our picture, uh, a picture for our listeners there, those things can get in the way of absorption of other nutrients. Yes, you nailed it there. Um, so, for instance, an anti-nutrient that is completely naturally occurring is phytic acid. And through fermentation, we're able to break down the phytic acid. And when we don't do that and we're eating a lot of phytic acid-rich foods, what ends up happening is it can begin to deplete our mineral intake because the phytic acid binds to the minerals of the, the meal we're consuming. And it passes that through our system rather than our ability to eat it. So remember, here it was, I was talking about my son and how his teeth were not holding up so well. Mm-hmm. Of course, it makes sense to think, well, hmm, I wonder if all those gluten-free foods that we were eating, which were not fermented, um, but we were eating a lot of gluten-free packaged foods, I wonder if there was a lot of phytic acid in there that was not being dealt with. So that's one concern. Another is um, a protein called lectins. And gluten is actually in the lectin family. And uh, these are also incredibly destructive um, protein structures that bind to carbohydrates in our system. And they, they can really wreak a lot of damage within the gut itself, um, in the large intestine, small intestine. And so again, all we have to do is some fermentation on grains, nuts, seeds, beans, and give it a period of time with the fermentation on it. And that breaks down the lectins, gets them the heck out of the way. And then you can cook the food the way that you would have otherwise. Um, so yeah, these are very significant concerns when it comes to dairy, the types of things that you hear people have issue with, um, are of course, lactose and casein. 
Well, when we bring in beneficial bacteria, like when we make yogurt or milk kefir, what we're doing is we're allowing the milk sugar and the proteins to be a fuel source for those bacteria. And so that's why you can have yogurt and it'll say it's basically lactose free. And it's not because they removed the lactose. They didn't remove the lactose. It was converted by the bacteria. And so it takes the bacteria to take care of the lactose for you. So, I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal how powerful these simple little techniques are. They really move the dial. Mm -hmm. So to what degree does this allow someone that may be intolerant to a, uh, a food type to begin consuming it? So for example, you, you mentioned the, uh, the dairy, um, mm -hmm. Would you go ahead and recommend someone that might be lactose intolerant to incorporate these these strategies with dairy and then go ahead and eat it or consume yes. it? Yes, I think it's a worthy pursuit. Uh, like anything, however, my my caveat to that is that if a person has been away from eating dairy products uh, for a long time um, or if they know they have really had issue with it, then my suggestion is to make it a very simple meal when they do consume it and have maybe just a bite. See how your body responds to it. Don't make it part of some big, complex, you know, crazy lamb curry or something. Make it very, very simple. And, um, and see how you do with it. Give your body an opportunity to respond to the information. Um, it's an interesting thing because one of the bits of research that's been done around milk kefir um, shows that there are strains of bacteria and yeast in the milk kefir that actually um, penetrate quite deeply into the crypts of the large intestine as the gut is repopulated with this type of bacteria. And uh, what researchers have found is that people who consume um, milk kefir, they actually uh, can, that helps them to overcome a dairy intolerance. And so here it is, these little friends, they actually get into us and can start really working on our behalf to help broaden our nutritional profile. And that to me, Brian, is one of the biggest things because as a natural healthcare practitioner working in nutrition, as I often do, I just see so many people in the languaging out there um, of, you know, don't eat this, don't eat that, da, 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 da. We did it. I mean, that was our family too. And we were still left holding the bag. Um, we're not designed to have this mono diet of, you know, four or five foods. Uh, and we're not going to have vitality in that experience. Yes, if something is harming you, then you need to take it out of your life. Make that go away. However, if it's something that maybe if it were just treated differently, if it were handled differently and you ate it in the amounts that were appropriate for your constitution, then that would allow the good that's there to be good for you as opposed to just saying, no, 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 no. I mean, because that just lends itself toward frustration, alienation, um, and over time, just an exhaustion of spirit. There's just not a whole lot of fun in that. So what I'm hearing here is I can uh, I can eat ice cream again. Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I love, I mean, we let our kids have ice cream sometimes. Um, when we do, I mean, you know, if we're going to buy it, I'm looking for grass-fed dairy, I'm looking for organic sugars, this sort of thing. That all really does matter. Whole fat. Mitigate um, the damage. Yeah, it helps to mitigate it somewhat. 
So the last, uh, the last topic that I want to touch on, and you mentioned it earlier, is the uh, the topic of organic foods. Yeah. So, of course, we we all can agree that that organic foods are good for us. It's it's common knowledge by now. But mm-hmm. um, of course, with the with the trade off with with money and whatnot, and the fact mm-hmm. that organic foods aren't expensive, uh, sorry, they aren't cheap. No. What is your uh, what's your general recommendations when it comes to organic foods? Are there certain foods that are more important to get organic? Are there some that we can we can maybe pass by? Mm-hmm. So um, the Environmental Working Group EWG.org they have an incredible list of um, the foods that are most pesticide ridden in terms of produce. And surprisingly enough, celery is right there at the top of the list. So celery is a food that you really want to buy organically, a produce item that you want to buy organically. Also, anything that you can't peel, um, that's also very important. Um, And anything that has been waxed. um, I know also grapes tend to be sprayed a lot, as do berries. And so those are things in terms of produce that we do want to pony up on and buy organically. And if you are purchasing in season and even better local to you, then these organic foods will not be as expensive. That being said, um, if, if someone really came to me and just said, Srika, what should I do? I, where do I need to allocate resources? Um, If you're eating animal products, you need to remember that you're eating at the top of the food chain. And so anything that that animal has been exposed to is going to be making its way into the product that you're consuming, whether that's eggs or dairy or meat, any of it. And so to me, animal products, um, organic, pasture-raised, grass-fed and grass-finished, um, that is really, really important to to make the investment. And the fact of the matter is, is these are animal products. We shouldn't be eating a ton of them anyway. Um, you know, maybe three to four ounce servings, uh, you know, for meat, one or two eggs, um, this sort of thing. And so um, the price point is appropriate because if you think about what it would cost you to raise a cow or take care of chickens. Um, There's a lot that goes into it. And that's something that we are super far removed from in modern society. We we just don't touch what that means uh, to work with animal husbandry in an appropriate way. And so um, animal products really pony up on that. That's important. The other thing too, surprisingly enough, is with grains, um, oftentimes with non-organic grains, um, glyphosate, which is Roundup, um, will be used to help with the defoliation of the plant. And that has been uh, clinically shown to have disruption in the gut pathway, incredibly damaging to the body. And so organic grains, it's worth it there too, um, to do that. So, you know... (laughs) And I guess the other thing that I want to say about that is it's not like this is happening elsewhere. Um, It's not like these pesticides and herbicides and fungicides are being used someplace that doesn't touch us and our families and our communities. There are people who are having to handle these um, chemicals. Um, It's getting into the groundwater. It's blowing through the air. It's all part of our environment. And so w- as much as we can, I think we do need to support 
these um, higher quality farming practices um, and organic is part of that. And so um, I, I like to keep a broader perspective um, about that because we're all touched by it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's interesting. I never really considered the uh, the implications of supporting the, uh, it was always a matter of what's what's best for me, but then I never really saw the uh, the other side of the the story, which is when you go out and buy these products, you're you're supporting the farming of it, and then over time, hopefully, it becomes more and more available to us. Exactly. You know, it's interesting. I had a neighbor yesterday say, Sarika, run into Walmart. Um, Kerrygold butter from Ireland is on sale for $2.88 a cube. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's a great price. So I ran into Walmart, which I never go into Walmart, um, because for the most part, there's not much there that I'm interested in. And um, yet, when I was in there, of course, I had to take a look around and see what other organic products they had. And I was happy to see, and I did buy because I want to support their effort of continuing to grow that uh, part of what they offer. Um, you know, I picked up some yogurt. And um, so the, uh, the more we can get this to change, the better off we're all going to be. Um, you know, from a spiritual perspective, asking people to work with these types of chemicals and in these types of environments, you know, where they're coming into direct contact with I grew up in California and I grew up um, in farming communities where we had a lot of migrant labor coming in and people working with chemicals. Um, and it, it really touched me deeply, the impact of what I would see people needing to come into contact with all the time stuff that I would never want my kids to touch. I wouldn't want to touch, wouldn't want my parents touching it. So why is it okay for me to support an industry that does that on the backs of other people? And so to me, looking out for one another that way is such a big part of it. That's amazing. Um, I definitely uh, want to thank you, Sarika, for for all the practical advice that you've given us. We're not done just quite yet, but uh, <laughs> oh. I did want to uh, I did want to thank you for the uh, the specific strategies that you've recommended us. Uh, fermentation being one, giving us a list of foods where or going organic is is a little bit more important, and uh, and just overall just kind of some of the uh some of the changes and things that we have to consider when we when we approach our diet because as we've seen in your story it's uh it's as we say keep it simple sometimes it it can be a little bit more complicated than just picking the right foods because of course as uh you've so thoroughly explained to us it's uh it's about how we prepare those foods as well oh good i'm glad I'm glad that landed because it is. I, I, I'm all for keeping it simple. But you and I both know, Brian, that when we're learning something new, there's going to be a learning curve and it is it is a little bit more challenging. And now I could make bread standing on my head in my sleep. Actually, my husband does. And so, you know, it, but at the beginning, it was a lot of trial and error and it was hard and it was stressful. And now it's just what we do. It's it, So there's a learning curve. For sure, with anything, of course. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the final phase of our interview, the ascending round. So in the ascending round here, I'm going to give you a series of questions, some of them fun, some of them for tidbits of wisdom, and some for a little bit more practical advice. Are you ready for them? All ready. So the first one is a book that you think everyone should read at least once in their life. Um, a Course in Miracles. 
Cool. I love A Course in Miracles. I'm going to definitely put it on the uh, the list to check out. Good. <laughs> All right. This one uh, usually has people stall a little bit. Okay. Best, your best purchase under $100. Oh, that's a good question. Um, my best purchase under $100. Um, it would have been a water purifier. Interesting. Nice. Um, yeah. And you, do you have a specific <laughs> brand that you, uh, that you recommend? Uh, you can get a small travel Berkey, B-E-R-K-E-Y. And, um, no matter where you are, um, and the condition of the water, it will purify the water. And that is really, really important sometimes. Um, it doesn't, you know, we can go a long time without food water. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so go, what is one mission or goal that you have for yourself that you've yet to achieve? Oh, completing my doctorate. That'll be done in June. <laughs> nice. Early congratulations to you. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to be the first one I ask this one too. Okay. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, well, that would be flying because I do in my dreams. And so it would be nice to really see if it feels the same way. And it would be awesome to get places faster than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Not a bad choice at all. And the last question, my personal favorite. Sarika, imagine we're going to hand you a microphone. Okay. But this is a special microphone because... Everything and anything that you choose to say through it will be heard by the entire world. Mm. What do you say through the microphone? Please be good to one another and look after one another and love one another. I love it. And it aligns so perfectly with the core message of this brand and this show. And it's that together we ascend. Together yeah, we are most powerful. And only when we bring out the best in each other can we really rise to our potential. Truly, truly. Sarika, I want to thank you again so much for your time. Before you go here, where can mm -hmm. our listeners find out about you and your work and maybe even get enrolled into one of your courses if they, uh, if they choose to? Oh, thank you. Yes. Naturallylivingtoday.com is probably the one-stop shop. Um, you know, that's, that's where folks can stay connected to me through my newsletter. And I've got a ton of recipes and health articles and just all kinds of stuff. And that's also where I house um, my information related to the Funky Kitchen. Um, but if someone wants to just dip right into that, it's funkykitchenfresh.com. Um, and um, yeah, I would say that's it. Also, if someone's in Arizona and they want acupuncture, they can connect with me <laughs> that way too. <laughs> Sarika, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I sure learned a lot, and I'm sure that many of our listeners did as well. And we do appreciate you coming on and joining us on Awaken. Thank you so much, Brian. Everybody, take care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Ascenders, that's it for my interview with Sarika Sernahaus. I hope you guys got some plans to try out some of these cooking methods that she shared with us. I definitely do. Um, I, I just don't see why you wouldn't. There seems to be a lot of benefit and return that you get out of them with little time investment needed to, to implement them that, again, I don't see if there, I, can, I can't see a single good reason for, for not using these strategies to get more nourishment out of your food. So if you want to check out more of Sarika's work or even take a look at one of her courses, you can do so at the show notes of the episode, which can be found at www.sarikaswork.com 
forward slash awaken 10. Also, if you guys have not yet given a review to the show just yet, I would love and appreciate it if you did so. It really helps the show out. And that you can do at www.togetherweascend.com forward slash iTunes. Ascenders, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Awaken. Until the next one.